Hello everybody and welcome back to Eyes of the Mize. My name is John. That's Ian. Is it? No it is. It's me. Hi. <laughs> hey everybody. This is episode 78, Boarding the Weatherlight. Because we're going to talk all about Dominaria this week because we're smack dab in the middle of the preview season. And the set is looking really, really sweet. Get on board the hype airship. Hype ship? Eh, whatever. Anyways. It's it's that uh, it's that gif of like the ship that like gets the rockets and then takes off out of the water. Exactly. Uh before we do, we'll turn eyes to the community real fast. Uh remember Dominaria comes out April twenty seventh. Um so we're still a little bit of ways away, about two weeks out from the pre release, which is going to be incredibly exciting. Uh oh, we also speaking have speaking of pre release, and I know we don't have this on the notes, the pre pre release. Yes. The pre pre release is not this Friday, but next Friday. Yeah. And uh, the guests are, I'm doing this from memory, Kelly Diggs. Yep. Uh, Cube April. Yep. Uh, I, know the, I know the fourth one, but I'm trying to save him for last. Um, who is the other one? It's, oh, God. I it's Nathan, so bad for, Nathan Holt. That's right, Nathan Holt, the, the wizard from Walking the Plains. And the last person, a person whose name I didn't expect to come up on for, like, the PPR list, but then in hindsight... Makes sense. Is pro Jared uh, YouTube's? Yeah, I was say yeah. Very big YouTuber. He hit a million subscribers on YouTube today. Or, oh, how about that? Yeah, literally just today. So that's a cool uh, little get. But yeah, it should be a very interesting group of people. Yeah. Uh, by the way, the reason why I realized that pro Jared was actually a pretty reasonable person who could be on the uh, the PPR. Uh, not only because, again, he, his YouTube channel has a million subscribers, he's done a lot of Let's Plays of various different games. Uh, I think he, most, he did a Chandelier playthrough recently of the old uh, PC game. Uh, but he's also, uh, I feel like he's also worked with Wizards of the Coast before. Uh, he cur- works with them currently on their D&D series, Dice Camera Action. So there's already a relationship between Pro Jared and Wizards, and Wizards also makes magic. And He also plays occasionally, like, I've... yeah. Kind of touched in and out with stuff of his over the years. I think he played at the GP not too long ago. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm sure he'll be around because I know he lives in the Seattle Pacific Northwest area up yeah. here. So, hey, it's cool. I'm excited to see it. It's It should be a very interesting group of people. Um, oh, yeah. I expect April to just be dropping puns left and right. And of course. Nate Holt is Nate Holt. So that's going to be a hoot regardless oh, yes. of the situation and i hope I'm, he's the wizard at least for one match maybe not for like the entire the entire time but at least for one match i want him to be the wizard i mean we already have that amazing gif of like the like this and just getting up on the table tapping himself <laughs> are you suggesting that i'm not in control of myself oh god <laughs> that was so good oh anyway continuing Speaking on of seattle uh this weekend is gp seattle uh, there is a Legacy GP starting Friday, ending on Saturday, and then there's also the Standard GP starting on Saturday, ending on Sunday. If you're watching the Twitch stream, um, it's going to be Legacy Friday and Saturday, and then Day 2 of Standard on Sunday. Yeah, so one note of the Saturday stream time, it will start one hour later at 10 a.m. Uh, yes. Day 2 for the Legacy group is going to start one hour later to allow for the start of Standard at 9 a.m., so it doesn't overlap literally starting the same time, which would cause chaos. Um, yeah, it's just, that's a smart... That's actually smart. a really smart little tweak. Uh, actually, the GP, if you're listening to this on Thursday, you might be at the Grand Prix already because it's a four-day Grand Prix. You could, yep. 
Um, I these are sweet. I was trying to get my elite pass approved to make sure I got there all four days. Um, I'm still fighting for work stuff. Kind of got in the way with some other things, and we're kind of I'm kind of short manned in my shop, so I have to stay behind at least tomorrow. I'm hoping to maybe get Friday to go down there so I can play in the Legacy event, and if not, I'll still be there Saturday and Sunday. But yeah. we'll see how it goes. Um, if you guys New are going to perspectives is barely a hundred dollars, John. <laughs> John, if I'm only going Saturday and Sunday, I'm playing Popper. And I'm playing a lot of drafts, and I'm playing a lot of Turbo Town side events. I am going to get myself some darn tickets. <laughs> Fair enough. If I, if I can't um, play in a main event for Legacy, I'm just going to play, just jam side events and hang out with people and do do friendship all weekend. Fair enough. Uh, another thing that I put on the eyes on the community is because, uh, or is uh, the Eternal card game made by Direwolf Digital, which LSV, Patrick Chapin, Matthew Nass... Um, a bunch of other Magic Pros work Conley, on Conley Woods. Conley Woods. Uh, recently uh, put out this month a sealed event. Um, so they've done events in the past where they're like special stipulations or they'll be like, hey, this is like get a deck of your get a random deck and play against other people with it. Uh, but this time it's sealed. This is the first time that they've done a sealed event. Uh, how the how the sealed event works is you pay 10,000 gold in, which is a proc, which would essentially get you uh, 10 packs. Um, you get four packs of the most recent set, Dusk Road, and then two packs of the previous two sets, Omens of the Past and The Empty Throne. And then you build a 45-card deck out of those. You play 10 placement games, and then you can play 20 tiebreaker games each week. And then each week after this week, you get a additional pack. Next week's is a Dusk Road pack, followed by an Omens pack, followed by an Empty Throne pack. And then at the end of the month, there will be leaderboard prizes based out on how high up the leaderboard you are. I am currently uh, six and four, and fourteen and six in tiebreaker games, and I am nine hundred and sixty seventh, I believe, is my final ranking. So that seems pretty good. I also recorded uh, those uh, videos. Uh, the you can actually go watch as of day of. Uh, I've got my uh, games two through ten uploading. Uh, they'll be out tomorrow morning or this morning if you're listening on Thursday, uh, April fifth. And you can also find the playlist on uh, YouTube as well. Uh, just search Well Eternal and you should be able to find it. Now then, moving on to Magic Times. Dominaria is out, or not out, is being previewed and oh boy. They, previews are out. Previews are out. They have they have turned this set up to 11 in more ways than one. It is, uh, it's spicy. It is very spicy. Spicy. Uh, Spicy. Uh, first card that uh, we have on the list is uh, Dauntless Bodyguard. Oh yeah, it so we should, we should mention, we're just going to be going oh, yeah. through some cards that we picked, the ones that have been unveiled so far. Remember, there are a whole bunch still to go. Uh, we are still not talking about stuff that has not been officially previewed as of yet. Yes. Also, shout out to the artists. You killing it. Yes. <laughs> we'll get to a few of those, because some of there's oh, a no. specific artist we have to talk about it multiple it. times john because they're killing it literally that much that is true <laughs> uh i'm surprised they're not being arrested for murder um first that's up, not in the set that that, no that i know of the set. It, that we know of it's not in the set uh first up is dauntless bodyguard white for a 2-1 human knight at uncommon as it enters the battlefield you choose another creature you control and you can sack the bodyguard to give the chosen creature indestructible to the turn this is like one of the best of Vandalines ever printed. Yeah. <laughs> it's insane. 
<laughs> and every time I see like you know nice aggressive white cards and aggressive red cards, I always keep wanting to try to brew Boros Aggro. And sometimes, it's, and most of the time, it's failed. Uh, the problem with this one is that uh, it doesn't trigger with Path of Metal, which is uh, which is what I really want to do in life now. Um, aside from show people a new perspective on life, uh, but Dawn's Bodyguard looks really sweet. It looks to be pretty impactful in Commander or not in Commander. Actually, be pretty decent in Commander, specifically Night Tribal, uh, but in Standard. And then also, I I'm gonna have to find room for this in my cube. I don't know how, but I am. Oh, uh, good mono away, bro. <laughs> That white weenie life, you know? Yeah, I mean, it It kind of is like the old school Benevolent Bodyguard, but like this one actually you have to like, it's very flavorful. So Benevolent Bodyguard was like the old uh, one white, one one, human cleric, sacrifice, Benevolent Bodyguard, target creature you control gains protection from color until of your choice until end of turn. This is more flavorful as a, as a bodyguard in that it's like, you, I pick you, You're I'm, I'm your bodyguard, all right, I, I got you. Yep. It's freaking great, and I love it. Oh, yes. Uh, next, we have Lyra Dawnbringer. She is three white-white for a mythic legendary angel. Uh, she's a 5-5 five, five, flying first strike lifelink and gives your other angels plus one, plus one in lifelink. Hey, Baneslayer Bain Angel, I'm going to need you to sit down a minute. <laughs> Lyra can be a commander. <laughs> yes. You also, can. like an actually legitimate uh, angel commander. Like, I'm not gonna lie, so I have, I still have a mono white soldiers and commander, or soldiers and angels, um, kind of equipment-ish base deck off the mono white precon, that now I can seem to finally sideboard out that equipment plan and just go ham on the angels and soldiers. Yep. Thanks to this set. I love it. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, Sarah Angel is in the set because of course it is, um, uh, with, Incredible new art by uh, Donato Giancola. Your boy Donato's uh, back. Oh yes. Uh, like, also, I love I love the Twitter exchange of Saffron Olive being like, "Hey, Sarah Angel's back." I'm surprised it's not. It's, I'm surprised it's not a common, but I guess we're. But I assume we're not too far away from that world. And Air Force I rep replies, "We are very far away from that world." I mean, it's not black green yet. That is also not <laughs> not a black green vigilance flyer. That is true. <laughs> Sorry, I had to go there. So <laughs> that is the kerfuffle about the. The GDS three uh, Great Designer Search three exam, where there was a question about a a vigilance a creature that is a vigilance flyer and what color combination it would be, given the fact that they didn't want the design to have be a design that they could do in a mono color, because there are blue white uh, vigilance flyers as well, uh, but the answer was green black, yeah. which made a lot of people upset. And everyone's like, "What?" And then they're like, "Well." It comes, you know, flying is like a tertiary color of this one, and it's like, and vigilance is a tertiary, like a tertiary color of green, and everyone's just like, what are you doing? <laughs> what is this? I don't, whatever. Like, it technically, it can technically work. I, I know mean, it could technically work. Everyone's just like, huh? It does feel a little weird. I'm not going to lie. Everyone just sits there. It feels there, a little weird. Everyone just sits there scratching their head and like pointing like, what? Anyway. The next like one. It's just like, yeah, well, oh. first off, it's just like the card that Mark Rosario talked about. There's a, like, he could design a mono green card that says, create a 1 1 death touch snake. It fights target creature and opponent controls, which would just basically be Doomblade in green, and that works entirely mechanically in green, but they're never going to print that card because it's literally just green Doomblade. Well, it sucks because how else are we going to get that 1 1 snake token with death touch? But that's a black card. Ophiomancer. <laughs> yeah next one go ahead Ian alright next one's a seal away one in a white enchantment at uncommon it's got flash so 
sweet. But what Sealaway does is kind of like what the name says. Enters the battlefield, exile target, tapped creature and opponent controls until Sealaway leaves the battlefield. So we get a cheaper cast out, but it only hits tapped creatures. So opponent declares attacks, flash and seal away. Or it's a flash um, journey to nowhere. Yep. That only hits tapped creatures. It's going to be great against Scarab God if they ever attack with it. Yeah. That's a, actually, it's a really good answer for Scarab God. Yep. It's or, also just really efficient. Two mana. Gets rid of most things. Yeah, just hitting a lot of decent stuff. Uh, the art on it looks great. It's some old uh, giant Thran, possibly. I was expecting, I was suspecting Phyrexian because of the flavor text. An ancient nemesis rendered harmless long ago. Yeah, it, well, it's probably like a th- like a Thran era Phyrexian yeah. kind of behemoth, based yeah, off of old old thing. Yep. Yeah. Looks sweet Next. though. Oh, it, it looks fantastic. Next is Shalai, Voice of Plenty. She is three and a white for a legendary creature, Angel. She's a 3-4 flyer. Uh, She has the amazing line of text, You, Planeswalkers you control, and other creatures you control have Hexproof. So, it's like better Sigarda. Well, specifically because now, because they're changing the Planeswalker redirection rule, Planeswalkers can now be targeted by burn spells, so giving your Planeswalkers Hexproof is more relevant. Oh, yeah, but it's like, hey, we're going to scale back on the Hexproof. J.K. Lowell, got him. This is also on a four-mana creature that doesn't have Hexproof itself. It's fine. Yeah, it's got four-butt, though, so that's not bad. It, that's not bad. Also, it has an activated ability of four green-green. Uh, put a plus a plus on counter on each creature you control. So, Abzan Snake. Uh, yes, you could do that. That is That is something that you could do. Got it. Or, and then you play Rich Card, then all your dudes tap for mana, and then you just go off. Oh, ham. GG, well played. Uh, next, uh, let's talk about Karn's Temporal Sundering. We're going to talk about this one for a sec. Yeah, it, it's four blue-blue for a legendary sorcery at rare. Remember, the legendary sorceries you can only cast if you control a legendary creature or planeswalker. Target player takes an extra turn after this one. Return up to one target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. Exile Karn's Temporal Sundering. This is probably one of the cheapest and best uh, time walks we've had in a while. Uh, most recently, the other ones being um, uh, Part the Water Veil from BFC was pretty good. Um, being able to, because it also had Awaken, it could just turn into like a 6 6 that just kills your opponent. Uh, but the reason why we're talking about this is that Noah Bradley, uh, who has done amazing art on a bunch of basic lands and a bunch of other cards, uh, he tends to not do things with figures in them. And if you look at, he did the art for all the legendary sorceries, and he killed it for every single one of them. Let's let's and, we'll put it this way: people say that you don't put the object of your painting in the center; you follow the rule of thirds. Yeah. No, Bradley said, "Screw you! I'm going to do it in the center," <laughs> and he just murdered it. So, yeah. So uh, also, uh, the flavor text in all of these follows the same. Um, pattern where it says centuries ago comma then a thing happens for cards temporal sundering it's centuries ago a quest to harness time became a spiral into chaos time uh, spiral Karn, no, i don't think this was time no spiral. it's not time spiral. i'm just joking but i'm saying time spiral. Yeah. it's yeah it's the original like time experiments that urza was putting him through that kind of caused all the time bubbles to happen and sundered the, sundered the crap out of the entire plane of uh Talaria. 
Well, no. like there's, there's well, portions of well, not the whole plane of Dominaria, but specifically yeah. Teleria and that area. Like Teleria, our card set off a temporal did the, the temporal sundering part, and apparently there are parts of the island where time flows at incredibly slow speeds, and there's parts where it flows at incredibly fast speeds. Like there's areas of the island where the explosion from the from the sundering is still happening. Yeah. Like, to this day, which is ridiculous. And that's, like, hundreds of years later. Thousands of years later, I think, from that part of the story. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. Uh, Also, if you didn't know, Stroke of Genius, where it shows Urza kind of, like, (gasps) epiphanying, that's him realizing that when he makes his time-traveling golem, it should be made out of silver. Yeah. Yeah. Hence, Karn Silver Golem. Hence, Karn Silver Golem. Uh, Next, uh, we have the Mirari Conjecture. Uh, four and a blue for an enchantment saga. So we mentioned these last week. Uh, they start on one, and then every turn they'll move up to two, and then at, at three, and then after three you sacrifice it. For the Mirari Conjecture, one. Return target instant card from your graveyard to your hand. Okay. Two. Return target sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand. If you're playing a blue deck, you're going to have instants and sorceries in them. That's totally fine. And if you're playing this on five, you're probably going to have done something by now. Uh, of course. Three, until end of turn, whenever you cast an instant sorcery spell, copy it. You may choose new targets for the copy. Now that sounds so, oddly familiar. It's almost like that's the exact same ability of the Mirari. Close enough. Yeah. Uh, there was a great article a few weeks ago uh, by Blake Rasmussen talking about the Mirari conjecture, talking about the art that James Arnold also did an amazing job of. Uh, which shows a bunch of what wizards called wizard calculus of people trying to of the um, of the current wizards on on Dominaria trying to figure out how the Mirari worked and trying to kind of understand it and all that other fun stuff and it's it can be very powerful in the right uh, in the right scenario. Remember, kids being able to copy remember your, kids you know fireballs or whatever. Science is art. <laughs> Science is art. It's true. But I actually, I actually did a thing in college where I passed off a math proof as an art piece. Nice, yeah. That so, great. so with that though, like if you look at the art, you can actually see the Mirari in the bottom of it, and parts of this apparently correspond with parts of the map of Dominaria that we've seen, which also basically can give a hint, like where the Mirari might have originally landed, what effects it might have had, where it might have had its most impact, and like how the Cabal found it and helped them. There's a whole bunch of st- story on the Mirari. Go, go find it. It's yes. It's pretty deep. Basically, all right. So the Mirari Teliar, Mirari was a probe that Karn sent back to to Dominaria to see if you know things had kind of settled down on the plane about a hundred or so years after everything kind of went crazy. Any planes walked away after the whole end of Yogmoth and stuff and the Legacy Weapon Trigger. Uh, it mm-hmm. got a little extra power up going through the blind eternities and ended up becoming like some wish granting powerful device so yeah it, it kind of went hinky like everything karn does <laughs> seems to happen and if you're wondering where the mirari is now it's memnark who's on mirrodin which is now new phyrexia and i think memnark's dead it's weird don't worry about it there's a lot of story <laughs> a lot of story anyway next Next. We have N- Naban, Dean of Iteration. He is one of the blue for a 2-1 legendary human wizard at rare uh, that says, if a wizard entering the battlefield under your control causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, that ability triggers an additional time. 
It is Wizard Panormonicon. So, if you're an EDH player and you have Inala, <laughs> remember this does no. not this does not work for Eminence. It does not because you don't technically control your commander. But if she's on the battlefield, though, yes, then it would work. You can trigger a whole bunch of little wizards popping out. Also, if you're playing Wizard Tribal, then your Wizard ETBs just happen multiple times. Yeah, it's it's going to be hilarious. And um, don't know if he'll see any kind of real constructive play outside of EDH, but we'll see. We have to see. I we have to see what he needs. Flash. Yes. In if order to see playing standard. But if, he's also a two-man and two-one. Like, here's, the, here's the thing. If he had Flash, he's getting dangerously close to uh, good old snappy territory. But requiring wizards. I suppose. I suppose. That said, not bad. I'm, I'm interested to see what people do with that in, like, Brawl. Oh, yeah. Depending on how many wizards we get in this set, that could be fun and interesting. Absolutely. Anyway. Uh, next, Ian, tell us about Demon Lord Belzanok. You mean... Our Lord and Master, who has all sorts of titles that he stole uh, from other people. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, Demon Lord Belzenlock, Evan Carr of the Stronghold, Sign of Darkness, Doom of Fools, Lord of the Wastes, Master of the Ebon Hand, Eternal Patriarch of the Cabal. Dot, 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 Basically, dot, dot. he stole all those titles because he's a big thief. Anyway, Demon Lord Belzenlock, he is a four black, black, legendary creature, elder, demon at mythic. He's a six. Real quick, there's an L after the N. Oh, I missed bells it too. and lock. Okay, it's weird. Bells and lock. I agree. And he's a big. Oh, <laughs> well, look at the he's big, big poo poo. Look head. at the big scary demon. Uh, he's a he's, six he's, six with flample, so flying and yep. trample. And he reads: Whenever he enters the battlefield, exile cards from the top of your library until you exile a non-land card. Then put that card into your hand. If the card's converted mana cost is four or greater, repeat this process. Ooh. Demon lore about. Bells and Lock deals one damage to you for each card put in your hand this way. So greatness at a price. Yep, all of the all of Liliana's demons have had the same kind of overall mechanic, where it's you know they they're usually all flying because they're all demons, and it's just like they have some ability that just really like punishes you, in in all the right ways or all the wrong ways depending on what you're trying to do. Demon Lord Belzenlock. He's like the weirdest ad nauseum you've e I've ever seen. Yeah, right. But it is greatness at any cost. Also, what's kind of weird is technically he's supposed to be considered like the strongest of all of Luliana's demons, and yet he's got one of the weaker power toughnesses. <laughs> it's true. He uh, Kothafed, I think, is also a 6-6. Six, six. Yeah, Kothafed is. Gr but yeah. Gr Grizzdad is a 7-7, seven, seven, and Razaketh is an 8-8. Eight, eight. But he's yeah, a but six, I think, six. But he's got more powerful abilities, though. Yeah, I think Belzenlock is more along the lines of, um, like his power is not in his physical prowess, but in his mental abilities. Yep. If that makes sense. Oh yeah. Uh, also, he knows he knows uh, he knows how to play the game. He knows what he's doing. Also, uh, I went ahead and after talking about Naban, I was like, I wonder how many mono blue wizards there are that benefit from his abilities in standard currently. Uh, the answer is Champion of Wits, which, you know, lets you double loot a bunch of times. Uh, Riverwise Augur, if you want to brainstorm twice in a row. Uh, Silvergirl Adept, if you want to draw two cards. Uh, Storm Sculptor, if you want to return two creatures to your owner's hand, to their owner's hand that you control. Uh, Tempest Caller, if you want to tap down two opponents' permanents. 
Trophy Mage if you want to find two three-drop artifacts, and Water Trap Weaver if you want to freeze down two creatures. It's not a lot so far. Not a lot so far. But there's bound to be some more goodies that we haven't seen yet in uh, in Dominaria. Well, like I mean, I'm not even saying he needs to be the, the commander for the Brawl. He could just be... Yeah, he could just be in the deck, too. Yeah, yeah. value card for Brawl. Oh, yeah, of course. Like, we've seen, um, based off of uh, a picture that Wizards shared, we saw, we've saw we seen Joda as, has a card. And we know that Joda's cost is one red, white, blue. But we haven't seen his rules text officially. It's in the document, which is why I'm not going to say any more about it. Uh, but there is at least a Jeskai Wizard deck that you could play. Yeah, yeah, buddy. Uh, next, we have a card that I know... <laughs> you said that there was like an hour-long discussion about this card? Uh, yeah, so this one kind of came up. So kind of recently in the, in the Pauper community, there's been sort of a divergence in the Discord arena. But there's a newer one, and it's kind of nice. And I joined it finally. And they had a decent talk about mono black control and pauper and whether this next card, Divest, would see play there. I say yes. And why is that? Well, it's one black mana, so it's one CMC sorcery. At common, target player reveals their hand. You choose an artifact or creature card from it. That player discards that card. Now, what's pauper known for it now? Creature be down. Kind of. Ish. Yeah. Like... Delve like so Delver decks are basically the biggest one there. And is it Delver plays like Spell Starter Sprite, I think still no, it's mono blue. Now they play Delver, they play uh Ninja of the Deep Hour. So you can like just pick apart their hand for that kind of thing. I know for Tron, it would I would hate it if I'm like, alright, I got this hand of seven, it's got a couple lands, and I've got one mold drifter. Let's do this. And like they rip the mold drifter. It's like, that's not how I get value. I mean, granted, I'm trying to loop mold drifter out of my graveyard anyway, but it's like, oh, if I don't get those initial triggers on it for two cards, ugh, sets my game plan back horribly if I do that. Plus, I don't have a whole also, lot of things. Also, Affinity is going to be, can't really keep, I don't know if Affinity can keep one landers, but since they play the artifact lands, Divest can make them discard their artifact land. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> right. It hits Affinity and Cordotha Boros, too. Yeah, barf, uh, barf, it hits a lot barf. of those. That's such a good card. Yeah, it's going to see Pauper play. I don't know if it'll see four of right off the bat, but it's definitely going to be like a two or three of for those kind uh, of decks looking for it. It's also like a reasonable discard spell in Limited, which you don't see them very often. Like, Duress is fine. Um, Thoughtseize is decent at best. Um, Divest is wait. Divest is going to be a lot better in terms of that, especially over Duress, because in like limited and sealed, you're probably playing what like six to ten instants and sorceries. Yeah, maybe some artifacts like, and enchantments here and there, like in the six to ten. Divest mark. can hit their big bomb. It can also hit their artifacts. And also, what's one of the big themes of the set? Historic, and what's what are going to be the big things that are, are going to trigger your historic cards? Artifacts, artifacts, and or legendary creatures. So it's going to be interesting to see how this card plays out, and also it's probably going to be good in standard. I mean, dude, the foils, I don't know if, the foils going to look sick with those blue like oh yeah, uh, things. Just for icing, there. just for icing, blew it out of the park. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Uh, next is another card for Popper, uh, Vicious Offering, uh, one to black for an instant at common. It has Kicker. Uh, and in case you forgot, Kicker is as additional cost to cast it, you can do the X thing, and usually when you kick a card, it does something bigger. 
Uh, in this case, it gives target creature minus two, minus two until end of turn. But if it was kicked, it gives that creature minus five, minus five instead. Hey, you know it's uh, you know it's one of the biggest creatures right now in a uh, pauper that sees a lot uh, of play. It's the Grimangly fish, isn't it? Yeah, Grimangler. Five yeah. five. It's a good way to kill that- it. Because it turns out there's not a lot of popper cards that are efficiently costed that can deal with Gourmet Angler. I mean, if you're going to try and use a kill spell, and you're just going to chump with it. I mean, it's kind of weird, but there are decks in Pauper that do look to like, recur sacrificial creatures and stuff like that. Um, oh, yeah. I know there's the green-black Tortured Existence deck that might want to use that as maybe a sideboard option. If, like, if they need like a kill spell for something against yep. some of those creature decks, but could be interesting. Especially if you're playing, like, tokens, it's like, oh, second token. Yeah, got it. So, we were talking about... It should be interesting. I'll see how it goes. But anyway, we're talking about Noah Bradley. And we're talking about Legendary Sorceries. This next one is bananas because it is... I, For what everyone's saying, this is literally the first time that this character has actually been depicted on a card. Yep. And that is Yawgmoth. And this is his Vile Offerings. Yawgmoth's Vile Offering. Four and a black legendary sorcery. Again, it has the legendary sorcery can only be cast if you control legendary creature or planeswalker claws. Put up to one target creature or planeswalker card from your, a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. Destroy up to one target creature or planeswalker. Exile Yogmoth's vile offering. And the flavor text is centuries ago, a mad god offered a simple trade. Now, that simple trade. This is literally basically right after the events that happened in the original Phyrexian Arena art. Yep. Gerard this is, has beheaded oh, Urza. He's standing at a giant 40-foot tall Yogmoth. By the way, this art of Yogmoth has technically been seen before in an old Inquest magazine. Uh, but we've never actually seen Yogmoth printed in this form on a card. Usually we've just seen him as like kind of a black mist. But yep. in it, there's a tiny little human figure at the center of it. And Yogmoth told Gerard, behead Urza, and I will bring back Hannah. So it's his bargain saying, I'll give you Hannah if you give me Urza. And you give me his yep. head. So hence the sack destroying one creature, Planeswalker, because he killed Urza Planeswalker to get back, back Hannah from the dead. And you want to know the worst part? Yogmoth didn't live up to his end of the bargain. Nope. That that is the card Jilt, where Gerard realizes that it is not in fact Hannah, but Yogmoth. Yeah, so technically it's Yogmoth in two forms on the card. <laughs> uh there's a great Reddit comment I saw about that, which is kind of an oxymoron, where Yogmoth is literally everything in that picture except for Urza and Gerard. Yeah, like Yogmoth is Phyrexia. Yogmoth is the plane of wrath. Yeah. That at this point at, at this stage in the story, there is nothing in that in that plane that is not Yogmoth. Basically, yeah, like Yogmoth is has essentially won at this point. Yeah. And yeah. it's it's freaking rad. Oh, like yeah. seriously, just go look at the full art. Um I know Noah Bradley I think has posted the full high res art of it. If you can dig He's that. He's posted all of them in uh, in the in the magic subreddit. Yeah. And it's just Gorgeous. Oh, so, so good. Like, Noah Bradley, you're killing it. Next card is one that I put on the list that's kind of unassuming, but I wanted to talk about it. It is Gitu Chronicler. Uh, this was previewed alongside Divest uh, by Strictly Better MTG. Uh, it is one in a red for a 1-3 human wizard. 
Okay, that's really unexciting, but it also has kicker for three and a red. So you can spend four red red to make a one three that, when it enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, return target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand. So it's basically Snapcaster Mage. It's like, is it Kron? It's like one of the Kron arcs in Archaeomancer. Yeah, but it's red, which is awesome. You know, is it Kron arc? Also, is also a red? three. Uh, is a Kron arc is blue and red. Yeah. Like this ability, it tends to be seen more on blue cards, like like you said, Archaeomancer. And uh, although there Mnemonic is Mamonic um, Wall, there's also uh, Arcan Anarchist. I want to say is like four and a red for a two two that returns target sorcery to your hand. Um, but I like Gitu Chronicler for a few reasons. One. It's a defensive red creature, which we don't see very often, and it's really good in a red-based control deck, where it's like, you know, you kill a thing, you play your Gitu Chronicler like late in the late game to pick up your, you know, kill spell, or you need to play it early because you need a 1-3 blocker. Uh, it does a lot of, it's good early, it's good late, it's very, very, it's very interesting, and I'm excited to try to draft around this card and play, you know, like, redblackremoval.deck, and Gitu Chronicler fits perfectly into that. Yeah, it's... It's an interesting card. Um, you know what else this does? What? This, this works well with? Pulse of Marasa. Bruh. <laughs> Bruh, I'm not paying six mana. I'm not paying two red. I'm not paying two red mana for something I can do for five. Come on, man. I'm not talking about in that deck, but I understand <laughs> I understand your consternation. Yeah. Next, let's talk about... Let's talk about some of our Gabo friends. Some, not, uh, not just any Gabo friends. Some old... Friends. Oh man! So let's talk about the one that I was, I was less surprised about seeing being reprinted in standard, uh, which is Siege Gang Commander. Uh, three red red for a two two goblin. When it comes into play, you make three one one goblins, and then you has one in the red second goblin deal two damage to any target. So you're flinging a goblin at your buddy to shock him, and you just throw talks around most recently this has been famous for when lsv and gabby uh streamed a vintage cube deck and they drafted storm but they didn't have a win condition except they did which was dance of the dead and siege gang commander <laughs> it was ridiculous <laughs> so dumb <laughs> it was so dumb but ian what was the card that they put out that is making everyone lose their freaking minds uh it's your boy goblin war chief his back. The boys are back in town. <laughs> this card is so flavorful. Same way, Goblin War Chief, the old buddy, one red red Goblin Warrior at uncommon. It's a two two Goblin spells you cast cost one less to cast. Goblins you control have haste. Now, what's great about this is that Goblin War Chief is now, as the, as one of the comments I see say, and one of the things. God of War II's modern legal. Yeah. Eight whack, baby. Eight whack. <laughs> so now, not only can you can now play Onslaught Block Standard in modern with Goblin Pile Driver and Goblin War Retrieve alongside Siege Gang Commander and all the other Goblin Lords that we've gotten, like Goblin Chieftain, and oh my god, it's just ridiculous. But Goblin War Chief is amazing because. The f I love the flavor taxonics. Not since the days of Pashalik Mons have the Rundvelt goblins been so united or effective. It mentions Mon Goblin Raiders, man. <laughs> Mons Goblin Raiders. It's good. Ah, it's really good. I love it. Um, if you're thinking, if you're, if you're now asking, well, what are the goblins in standard? Uh, why before this set there are only seven? But we have another one. 
that but we got have unveiled. Goblin, we have CJ and Commander. Our good old buddy sure. Squeeze back. Squee, yeah, Squee the Immortal. Uh, th- apparently, a lot of people are upset because, uh, well, Squee is one red red for a 2-1 legendary goblin uh, rare, and it says you may cast Squee the Immortal from your graveyard or from exile uh, because Squee can never die because Yogmoth gave him a curse that he would never die so that Corvax, uh, Qu- uh, Krovax? I forget the, I forget his, the uh, the name of the vampire Krovax. from the Weatherlight. Krovax. Cro- Krovax, yeah. Krovax would have a pl- a play toy to kill over and over and over and over again. Uh, and people are upset that he only got one point of power. Oh, pishaw. He's yeah. been around enough to be- beef up just... Look at his muscles. He's got little tiny goblin muscles. Yep. He, bul- he bulked up he- a little bit playing with his toy. Also, the flavor text is great. It's like, you gotta be pretty smart to live as long as me. But not being able to die helps. <laughs> It's so good. Oh, man. Everyone's just so happy to get, like, some of these old characters back. Also, you know what he's holding? His toy. Squeeze toy. Squeeze toy. Squeeze toy. Uh, by the way, real That's quick. That's a card, by goblins. the way, for people. Oh, yeah. Uh, real quick, the seven goblins in modern, or modern, standard. Uh, Fanatical Firebrand. Pretty good. Goblin Trailblazer. Yeah. Lightning Rig Crew. Yeah. Rigging Runner. Yeah. Rummaging Goblin. Yeah. Swab Goblin, which you may not know because it's in uh, what well, it's in the Angrath Planeswalker deck. Oh. It's a two and a two two Goblin Pirate. God, it's one of those cards. And Wily Goblin, which makes a treasure when it comes into play. Uh, so there's not a lot of goblins right now, but maybe later. Although I feel like um, I feel that specifically uh, Goblin Warchief was a nod to Modern more so than a nod to Standard. But well, we'll see. Well, we might we do have Siege Gang Commander. We might get more goblins in the future too. I mean, yeah, it's well, I mean, I remember, magic. You can go, uh, you can now curve Siege Gang, or you can curve uh, War Chief, well, War Chief into uh, Siege Gang. You can, yeah. And all the little buddies Siege Gang brings along have haste. As the Siege Gang himself, which is going to be fun. Yeah. Uh, next, there haven't been a ton of green cards that really excited me. I don't think, I don't know if there's any that you wanted to talk about. I'm kind of, um, of oh, we did see, uh, Grun, the Lonely King. Oh, yes, Grun. Uh, <laughs> Grun is the loneliest number? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Why didn't I think of that? I saw that one on Twitter earlier. It's so good. Uh, anyway, Grun, the Lonely King is a four green green five five legendary creature ape warrior with kicker three. If Grun, the Lonely King was kicked, it enters the battlefield with five. Yes, five. Plus one, plus one counters on it. Why does that matter? Well, whenever Grun attacks alone, double its power and toughness until end of turn. It's the best exalted card they've made. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm obviously joking. Uh, but Grun does sick things with uh, Rafik, if you wanted to go that route. Uh, also, he's just a big dumb idiot, and Green's very good at making big dumb idiots. Yeah, he's. it's fun to see how they handled Kicker with this. I mean, you gotta pay seven green green for that. But we'll talk about some cards a little later that might help you get there a little quicker. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. No, we have some. They're, they're already on the list. I know. I know. Someone's probably. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's go into our gold cards because there are a lot of gold cards. You know, um, I want to talk about this boy because he's getting in my commander deck. <laughs> so first up, uh, you guys. Everyone has to realize that apparently, uh, when Wizards was making the new crew of the Weatherlight, 
that they were just literally making Firefly and they didn't tell us. Yeah, some people uh, some people got a little touchy about that. I was just like, mm, it's kind of there. I mean, it, they, these are very archetypal characters on a you know a crew, so yeah, you can't really the fall- comparisons are always going to be there. And then they st- and then just just started going wild with all sorts of other meme pictures yeah. and Twitter got but, Twitter and. T- uh, what's it called? Tumblr started intermingling and it got weird. Yeah. Anyway, we already talked about Shauna, but we're going to talk about Arvad the Curse. Yes, yeah, so he, he is um, three white black for a three three vampire knight. He's obviously legendary. He has death touch and life link, and he has other says other legendary creatures you control get plus two plus two. Yeah. Um. There's not a huge amount of legendary creatures in my uh commander deck, which is right now it is uh, Markov. But they're a decent number. Yep. And I don't sure mind giving them plus two plus two. Seems pretty decent. Plus you can also death touch and lifelink are nice. I mean, yeah, you can't go wrong with death touch lifelink. So would would you say that his his that his day was destined? I'm gonna ignore you on this one. Though <laughs> <laughs> so, for those of you who want to play along at home, look up Day of Destiny. Yeah, so um we got a bit of Arvad's backstory today in the story that came out. Yep. Um, not a whole lot, but a little tiny spicy bit of how he's, you know, joining up with, with the crew initially. Um, yeah. So TLDR on it. Uh, if you've been reading the story, we know that Tiana, the angel reactivated the power stone, warm power stone that powers the weatherlight. And the minute it was activated, Arvad felt a pull towards the weatherlight and started wandering towards it. He basically killed a bunch of guys and like, all right, cool. I'm going to steal this boat and, you know, start heading towards the weatherlight and just like hiked his way across. He's a former Benalish knight who got bit by a vampire of the Sengir lineage mm-hmm. and has basically changed against his will. Changed against his will and he's fighting his curse. But he, he's, he's still like a Benalish knight deep down, but fighting all that stuff. So. That should be interesting. I want to see where his character goes. I kind of like it. Um, I've actually kind of considered throwing my hat into the ring for that whole, uh, what's it called? The uh, voice of all for this. Ah, yeah. Where uh, basically they do audio recordings of the books and they use voice actors, stuff like that. I've been kind of thinking of throwing my hat in the ring for this guy. You should do it. I think you do a good job. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, you know what? This seems like a character I could I could try. Let's do it. Anyway, the next one I ooh like ooh, this she's spicy. So this is in more ways than one. I think it's Adeliz. I was like yeah, Adeliz, Adeliz. We'll go with Adeliz until, until we, we get the pronun- corrected. Until we get the pronunciation guide. Um, it's Adeliz the Cinderwind. Uh, she is a one blue red two two legendary creature human wizard and eh? wizard. Yeah. Flying haste. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, wizards you control get plus one plus one until end of turn. John, so does this play? Is, for, does this play friendly with our boy? Uh, this is not a. Uh, I think Nazan or Nadan. I think his only. He's on yeah, it's, it's, ETBs. Yeah, yeah Nabon is ETBs. Not not here. I don't care. Not this quite. basically gives every other wizard you have prowess. Yes. Well, not technically prowess. It's instant and sorcery prowess, and it also buffs. It also buffs herself. Pseudo prowess. Pseudo prowess. Um, there's enough wizards in this set that you could do some really sick things. Like there's also wizards retort and wizards lightning, which when you have a wizard turn into literal counter spell and literal actual lightning bolt. Um, so I, 
I think Blue Red Wizards is the tribe that we didn't know we wanted that we really wanted. I want it. <laughs> I want it. I want to build the deck right now. Look, put it in front of me. Look, man, brawl. Okay. Yes. I might. Uh, I might try great. to brew some sort of blue red wizard deck in brawl if it exists. Well, I'm. I'm, I'm going to ask you. Ask you to hold your phone for a little bit because we're going to get to who I think your your actual uh, brawl commander is going to be a little bit later, sir. Uh, sir. Well. F- <laughs> well, first up, we're going to talk about Joira, Weatherlight Captain. So uh, four blue red. Finally got the three, card three, to the three. art. Yay. Finally got the card to the art. Uh, blue red human artificer. Uh, she's a mythic, and whenever you cast a historic spell, draw a card. As a reminder, the historic spells are artifacts, legends, and sagas. Um, this is the first time that the commander community has been really hammering wizards because there's a lot of specific archetypes that commander players want. Uh, one of the ones that people have been asking for are like non-combat Boros commanders, which is why Firesong and Sunspeaker not being in this packs is kind of eh. Uh, but Joira is our first ever real blue-red artifact commander. Uh, th- this way we can play Joira with Tezzeret, we can play Joira with Doretti, we can play Joira with, you know, um, Maverick Thopterist from Kaladesh. Like, there's so many cool things that we can do with Joira and Commander that this is a perfect... A perfect artifact commander, if there ever was one, in blue-red. Yeah, people are even saying, like, so long, Brea, I can get rid of losing two colors and just deal with Joira. Yeah, because you can still do a lot of shenanigans with blue and red, but, you know, being able to play Brea lets you do a lot more varied things. It's like, it's one of the first, like, blue-red commanders that doesn't be like, you must play spells. I want spells. She's just like, yo, give me them artifacts, homie. Let's do this. Exactly. Uh, next card I wanted to talk about was Rona, Disciple of Gix. Uh, Gix being one of the uh, Phyrexian uh, demons. individuals. Phyrexian demons. Demons, yeah. She is one blue-black for a 2-2 human artificer at Uncommon. Uh, when she enters the battlefield, you may exile target historic card from your graveyard. Uh, you may cast non-land cards exiled with Rona, which is nice. You do have to pay their costs, obviously. And then you can pay four and tap to exile the top card of your library. Uh, well, one, with infinite mana and the ability to untap Rona, this is kind of like an infinite combo, because you can just literally exile your entire deck and cast it all. Um, which, you know, Commander is going to be known for doing shenanigans like that. Uh, but I also just like Rona from a, a gameplay perspective, where it's like, you can play her early, you know, exile one of your artifacts or whatever, you know. If you ditch, like, a, a, a Mox Amber, uh, you can play it after, you can play it after exiling it or whatever. There's a lot of cool play patterns that you can do with Rona, where it's like, well, I'm not doing anything in my, ha- I don't have anything good in my hand, so I'm just going to exile a card with Rona, and then, oh, I like this card, I want to play it. And it's, there's a lot of cool things that you can do with Rona. I'm really excited to try to, to get a chance to play with her. John, do you think she's a uh, cube playable? Powered, powered cube playable? N- powered cube playable? No, I don't think so. I think it, her ability would need to cost like two, or literally just tap. Well, um, well I'm saying like. Powered cube because you know you have all the mana rocks and stuff like. It's true. Black Lotus. But you also need. Enters you would also ETB. need a way to untap Rona. Well, no, no, no. Enters the battlefield. Does do exile your Black with... Lotus. Cast Black Lotus for free. Crack sure. Black Lotus. Bounce Rona of Gix. Exile Black Lotus. Cast Black Lotus for free. Okay, but you're not making mana, sir. <laughs> sir, you're doing a lot of powerful nothings, and I love it, sir. <laughs> You're doing a lot of powerful nothings, and I love it. Um, <laughs> hey, man, I'm thinking outside the box. Winning the game. And there's other stuff you can do on the board as well. Anyway, Vanilla. Also true. Uh, the art's amazing. She's holding a bauble. Kind of it looks like Mishra's bauble. 
A little bit, But it's yeah. got Yawgmoth's mask on it. Ooh. Yeah, look at the big art. See that. Look at if you look at the art for this in its blown up form, it has Yogmoth's mask. Well it makes oh, sense. Labor. I know it's I know it makes sense, but it's ridiculously cool. Um next, let's talk about the best boy. Oh, this is so this is the one that's inspired all the memes of hey guy like the uh the, the boyfriend looking at the other girl meme. Yes. Of like sagas and there's like sagas, wizards, sagas, players of the boy, fairy, car, yeah. and all these things. Wizards and like and people... everyone's like looking away at your boy Slimefoot, the stowaway, a one black <laughs> green two three legendary creature, fungus, at uncommon. Whenever a sapling you control dies, Slimefoot, the stowaway, deals one damage to each opponent, and you gain one life. And they have an ability of four. So pay four mana, create a one one green sapling creature token. The Thalid Bowl is back, baby. This is also the best Sapperling commander in specifically Green Black, because there there is Gave, but Gave Gave has problems because he combos with a stiff breeze. Gave uh, Gave you, you put Gave the, into play and people are like, uh, we kill you now? Basically. Uh Slimefoot the Stowaway, however, is the best uh green black th- uh Sapperling commander uh after Thelon of Havenwood, because his ability doesn't play well in Commander. Unfortunately, but but everyone just loves the loves the fun guy. Oh, uh, the art is great, and he's also and they're obviously obviously a fun guy. Um, Alex Konstad knocked it out of the park with this. Uh, my big question that has gone unanswered is: uh, Does Slimefoot speak? If so, what does what does their voice sound like? I'm sure we'll find out at some point. Yes. Uh, next, uh, let's talk about Tatiova Benthic Druid. Um, if any card ruins Surge's chances of hashtag fast bond to zero, it's Tatiova. Uh, she is, uh, three green blue for a three, three legendary creature, Merfolk Druid at uncommon. And she says, whenever a land enters the battlefield under you control, you gain one life and draw a card. Seems decent. You know, just. It's a pretty good value creature. Yeah. I don't know how, what kind of play she'll do, but I mean, hey, blue green Merfolk. It's an, another blue-green merfolk. Um, doesn't necessarily play nicely with the current blue-green merfolk, because they don't really do a lot of, like, land shenanigans. Explore, bro. Um, Explore. Yeah, but that doesn't put them into play. I don't care. But I, still, but that's, still draw them. That is true. Uh, gonna be great in Commander, yeah, obviously. Definitely. Blue-green is the best two-color combination in Commander. Um, I don't think anyone disagrees with me, but... Uh, next, let's talk about ya boy. Uh, well, first, let's talk about ya boy's oath. Because Teferi... Turns out, we're going to get to his, his his actual Planeswalker card in a sec, but he has a Oath. The Oath of Teferi. So he joins the Gatewatch, which is fun. Uh, he is, it is His Oath is three white-blue for a legendary enchantment at rare. Uh, when it enters the battlefield exile, another target permanent you control. Return it to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of the next end step. So it's a slow flicker for five, uh, which is not very good for five mana. Like, there's better things that you could be doing for that five mana. But wait, there's more! So for, but if you're playing Oath of Teferi, you're playing it for the Planeswalker ability, which is you may activate the loyalty abilities of Planeswalkers you control twice each turn rather than only once. Judge. Yes. How does this interact with the Chain Veil? You gotta do Chain Veil first, I believe. Well, don't you? No. Act, you can act, no, no, you have, you, to, can, you have to use the... T- you activate you okay. activate with twice with the Fairy, then you activate the Chain Veil, which says... It has a tap, foreign tap ability that says, for each Planeswalker you control, you may activate one of its loyalty abilities once this turn, as though none of its loyalty abilities have been activated this turn. 
I don't think that negates the Oath of Teferi ability. So I think it's like you either do Oath of Teferi, Oath of, you either do the Planeswalker activation, then the second activation due to Oath of Teferi, and then you do the Chain Veil. I don't think you can do activation, activate Chain Veil, do it a second time, because then Oath of Teferi says, well, you've already done it twice. No, I meant like you, you do both, activate the Chain Veil, and at least get one more trigger off of it. Yeah, you don't get to go like infinite or whatever. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm just saying like you get to use a Planeswalker three or four times. Three times, three times in a single turn, time. which is good. It's ridiculous. That's that's more. Now that's what I was about, getting at. Like you can activate it. Chain veil wipes away your act, double activations. You get that third activation. That's what I was going for. Yeah, yeah. So now let's talk about Teferi, Hero of Dominaria. Uh, three white blue for a legendary planeswalker Teferi at Mythic. He starts with four loyalty. His plus one is draw a card at the beginning of the next end step. Untap two lands, which I hear is a good ability in control decks. Uh, minus three, put target non-land permanent into its owner's library. Third from the top. A moderate defensive ability. It's pretty good. And then minus eight, you get an emblem with whenever you draw a card, which blue-white decks are very often going to be able to do, uh, exile, target, permanent, and opponent controls. That's so flavorful, though. It is very flavorful for what Teferi does, because he's a time mage. He's he's very adept at doing things with time. Like That's why he's still alive, because he ages much at a much slower rate. Than everyone else. I mean, um, he also basically just phased out his entire city. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Teferi's card is very good. I'm interested to see if it sees play in, in Standard. I think I'm going to put this in my cube. I'm, it seems good enough to be put into a cube, I'm interested. I'm interesting if Blue-Eyed Control adopts it, like, maybe a one or two of as, like, an alt-win-con kind of thing. I mean... Blue Eye Control already has some win conditions. Like, it's got Kefnet, it's got Approach of the Second Sun, and Teferi definitely doesn't hurt Approach of the Second Sun. Modern. Also modern, that's true. But everything's good in modern, I know. Yeah. So, this Next. one... Ooh, the, I, I'm picking this one for the flavor art on... for the flavor text on it, but Moldrotha the Grave Tide. It's a three and a salt tie, so that's green... or black, green, blue. For a 6-6 six, six legendary creature elemental avatar at Mythic... Reads, during each of your turns, you may play up to one permanent card of each permanent type from your graveyard. That is some value right there. If a card has multiple permanent types, choose one as you play it, as the additional clause for that. So like something like Walking Ballista, which is an artifact and a creature, it could count for one or the other. But the flavor text says, my child grew from rotten ruin, yet she bloomed. Multani. My boy Multani! My boy! The the story has already mentioned uh, Molimo, the other um, Morrow sorcerer, alongside Multani, yeah, uh, as being the person who gave the like acorn seed. We don't really have a two. Yeah, we don't really have a whole lot of time, but Multani was my boy back in the day. Yes, right. So, Ian, if people wanted to find you on social media, where can they do so? You guys can find me on social media at DixonIJ on Twitter. That's D I X O N I J. Uh, and you can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash dicks. I was planning on streaming more this week. However, such a thing called life gets in the way. Um, and yeah, I know, right? Especially with work. Uh, so that kind of interrupted some plans on that one, unfortunately. But I do intend on trying to stream a lot more. Uh, it's kind of a little bit late. I was hoping to do maybe a little PUBG stream tonight. Just, you know, kind of online because there is that new spicy smaller map out there but just follow me for that if you want to see some magic streams i will be streaming uh 
a little more legacy, even though the GP is going to be this weekend. Legacy was pretty fun. More pauper for sure. Kind of kicking the tires on some uh, some modern decks right now. But uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. So follow follow the stream. John, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at jwiley129. That is J-W-I-L-E-Y-129. I'm also on Twitch at that same handle. If you see me in a Twitch chat, don't hesitate to say hi. Uh, like I said, I've also been doing a lot of Eternal videos of late. You can find those on YouTube. They're also available to be found on my Twitter as well. If you want to reach the podcast directly, you can do so on Twitter at Eyes and the Mize, or if you have a more personal question, shoot us an email at eyesandthemize at gmail.com. We always lo- love to hear how we can best improve the podcast for you, our lovely listeners. On behalf of Ian, I'm John. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next time.